0: Hello, everyone.
1: I'm Simon Ford of Ford's Gin. Martinis, gin and tonics, Negronis, great classic cocktails is what I'm about. But I also love to hear of great recipes from great bartenders from around the world, which is why we've partnered with Beyond the Drink for this season. Cheers. Well, you just heard from the man himself, Simon Ford, and this season of Beyond the Drink is brought to you by our friends at Ford's Gin. I'm Cappy, and in this series, we're going to hear from some of the best bartenders in the country as they share the stories and recipes behind their favorite drinks. Beyond the Drink is a spin-off of Beyond the Plate, our podcast that sits down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the food industry and the social impact they have made in their communities. We invite you to check out this season of Beyond the Plate, where we're featuring some of the greatest restaurant and hospitality duos. And if you're new to Beyond the Drink, welcome. If you listened before, we're so glad you're back. We hope this episode inspires you to create a delicious cocktail or, like the bartenders we feature, make a difference in your community. To get the cocktail recipe we discussed in this episode, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. One more thing, we have some awesome Beyond the Plate merch. You can find the link in your podcast player or go to our website beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Head on over and check out our hats, tees, hoodies, and more. Again, that's beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Joining us today, or tomorrow, is a bartender considered to be one of Australia's most influential bar figures. He is behind Australia's most famous cocktail bar and has racked up many awards, including the Art of Hospitality Award as part of the World's 50 Best Bars 2020, Top 50 Bars in the World in 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, and named the best bar in Australasia at the World's 50 Best Bars in all four years years. You can find more on him in the episode notes and follow him on Instagram at Kato17. Please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the drink with Stefano Catino. Thank you for being here, Stefano.
0: Thank you for having me, Andrew. Good
1: to have you. We start every episode with an audio test with all of our guests. And why don't we start with you? We'll have you name three ingredients you love to use with gin.
0: Olives, more gin, and vermouth
1: (laughs) olives Morgid, and vermouth i love it you sound great let's go stefano hospitality was ingrained in you at a young age in italy how do you describe italian hospitality
0: i was thinking about that the other day and i came to the conclusion that actually i grew up inside the restaurant i was I grew up in my dad's restaurant. I sleep on the table when my dad had late night. You know, we didn't have uh, grandparents. My grandparents died when I was younger. So I literally, I was breathing hospitality. And I, and I just realized that later. i go like, I think I'm pretty good at it, but how come, no? And then I, yeah, I grew up in a restaurant. I saw hospitality all, all day around me because, you know, it was a survival for us, you know? It wasn't like now. You open a restaurant in Italy and you have to take care of social media. You have to t- All you had to do was open in the door, make good food, and be nice to your guests. There was no playlist. There was no music. It was a natural act of surviving. And you know, if you were good at cooking, you open a restaurant and you hope that people keep coming back to your restaurant. So my dad wasn't a businessman. He was definitely not, not one of those. And I, uh, that was, I think that's what this Italian hospitality is, it is a survival mechanism. And he's a sort of income for a family.
1: Interesting. How would you describe young Stefano?
0: I like him. <laughs> uh, it was cool. He was very curious. <laughs>
1: curious? Okay.
0: Very curious. I remember spending, I grew up in Cinque Terre, in the Italian Riviera, and I was working at a young age. I, I was the first time I was behind the bar. I was 14 years old, and I had all of these American tourists, Australian tourists, and I would spend uh, night after night sitting with them, not probably understanding any word they're saying. And just laughing when everybody was laughing and make my two sentence joke when I had an opportunity, but I felt like this need of being surrounded with people and talk and learn new things. So that was young Stefano. I was very curious and I wanted to understand more. I was always wanted to know more about the world. So that guess what brought me to Australia.
1: My next question is what took you to Australia? But I got to like say this because it's like infectious right now to the listener. I asked him that question and uh, Stefano kind of had this like ear to ear grin like a smile like a like the kid in him was coming out like he said i like him and it made me happy it made me smile when you kind of lit up like that to talk about young stefano that was great so anyhow i digress what took you to australia
0: uh, it's funny uh it was a combination of things i actually naron uh, young the guy who started dante and blah blah he came as a tourist to my little town and cinque terre while well, well, he was the editor of Bartender Magazine. And he sat in my bar and he started to open Bartender Magazine in front of me from Australia. And we started to make cocktails together and we spent like a beautiful weekend in Cinque Terre. And then I say, look, this summer when the season is finished, I would like to come and see you in Australia. I say, please do. So I went, I came here and he introduced me to all these uh, other bartenders who were around. There was Jason Crowley, who just arrived from England. There was Marco Farone, another Italian man who we that became good friends with, Mikey Enright. There was a big scene in Australia around 2006, 2007. There was a lot of people moved from London, from the Atlantic Room. For me, it was like this place where I wanted to be, to learn. And thanks to this introduction that I have from Naren. Naren then moved to America, uh, to New York. And the year he moved there, I moved to Australia. But I already had a good intro. And I ended up staying here. Uh, I wanted to learn more about cocktail. Because I knew a lot, I think, about hospitality from Italy. But I didn't know more about cocktail and I wanted to learn. So I decided to make Australia my home. So this is the kind of recap.
1: I know you have multiple establishments, but can you set the scene for us? Like your accolades are, they're incredible for yourself, for the bar. But I would like you to set the scene for us as we walk through the doors. Like of your bar. And if you yeah. want to use five senses, like what are we seeing? What are we smelling, hearing, touching, <coughs> all the things?
0: The, the idea of maybe Sammy is to have a hotel bar without a hotel. So, because there was not good hotel bar in Australia when I moved here. So the first thing that you see is a hotel trolley parked outside this bar. And uh, sometimes it's used as a DJ desk, which is parked inside the bar. When they, our Mr. Rock and Roller, a man in his uh, late 50s, sleek with like very... Frank Sinatra haircut plays the the DJ deck. So that's the probably on a Friday uh, for aperitivo. That's the first thing you see is either the hotel trolley parked outside or parked inside at the door with a beautiful man behind it playing Frank Sinatra and all the tracks, the tingling uh, glasses, and the beautiful bartender in the or with a pink jacket and the red flower on the jacket. Yeah, that's your set scene. Like we wanna transport you to. A busy hotel lobby where people having a cocktail before checking in, before going for dinner. So that's the scene that we wanted to set on people's mind. And then uh, sometimes we have little like act that we do throughout the evening because I believe that a bar should be... I mean, you can go to any bar, but if you come to one of my bars, I always tell to my bartender and my staff, I want something to happen. I want people to remember. Uh, there was. I want something to happen. I don't know what it is. I like to be in a flash mob, but kind of.
1: Yeah, I get it. What must we taste? At your bar,
0: okay. In my bar, there is definitely one of the things that we do from day one is our little mini martinis, which is a selection of mini martini that we do. We were the first one in Australia. Was clearly not my idea because there is many beautiful establishments that do that in the world. I took my inspiration from uh, bar Cipriani in Venice, where they invented the Bellini. And they have these mini glasses where you, know, you can have one sip martini, and I thought ah, that's such a cool idea. I wanted to bring it to Australia. So that's our uh, happy hour every day is like a little martini, mini martini hour. They became very popular and I see them now more and more around the world. And then I tell people, you should always have a classic and you should always have a signature drink. This is uh, my, my belief. And that's what I do when I go to some other bars. It's like to taste the water and to experience.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to learn more about this cocktail that I believe is currently on your menu. Can you tell us about it? So
0: our new cocktail list is called the Mirage, because basically we asked our bar team to come up with their Mirage moment. A Mirage moment is when something unexpected happens when you're expecting something. There it could be many. It's like finding water in the desert. When you see that water in the desert, but it's not there But because you're so thirsty, that's your Mirage moment, okay? So one of the guys who comes from my actually own area in Italy, he came up with this beautiful cocktail, which has fourth gin, a bit of uh, white vermouth, and it's clarified through peach yogurt, but then we put a little cream soda and we call it a raspberry cloud on top of, a, of sitting on top of the house, which is like a sponge, like a uh, like a, yeah, like a sponge air that sits right on top of the glass. No? He brought me this drink, I tried it. This drink was delicious. And he goes, What, what do you what's your mirage moment? And he goes, like, is this effect that, that happens in the sky be- after between uh, after it stops to rain? The cloud have this uh, pink color. And I say, but what's this effect called? And he goes, it's called the polar stratospheric cloud, but I want to call the cocktail Johnny. Uh, and I say, you know, calling the cocktail Johnny, we call in the cocktail the polar stratospheric cloud because it's such a cool name. So this is the drink that I've presented to you today. And I, and I, and I love the fact that I'm a, I'm bad. I micromanage my team. I go into this meeting and I should shut up, but I go like, man, you have such a good drink. It's so beautiful. The ingredients work. You had a good name. And now uh, I'm putting my feet down and say, we're naming this drink, the Polo Atmospheric Cloud. It's funny because now it's the best-selling drink in the menu. And uh, I always sell uh, to Luca, which is the bartender who created it. That is thanks to my name, not thanks to his delicious drink, which is not true, of
1: course. I love that. That sounds so good. I have a couple questions. You mentioned, I think you referred to it as a theme of the Mirage moment. Is yeah. that a? Is that something that you incorporate into your menus often? You switch up those themes or was this a one-off occasion?
0: Yeah, we switch up the theme. The first theme was uh, because we opened um, The Maybe Semi was based on this beautiful story about uh, this poster that I found. I'm a big fan of Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. So the whole bar idea was based on a poster from the 1950s that uh, used to say, from the Sant Casino, they used to say, San Casino, Dean Martin, Maybe Frank, Maybe Semi and was to give basically on any given night that you would go to the set. You might witness Justin Martin or possibly the biggest act in Las Vegas in, during the 1960, which would have brought people to the casinos and gamblers. And of course, you know, it was a form of, of entertaining. And I thought that was very cool to use that word. I wouldn't call my bar the Dean, but I would like to say, I, I love that little maybe Frank and maybe Sammy. And anyone, if you Google that, you will appear this beautiful picture of this casino in black and white with the red pack. But a lot of people thought, oh, you use the Red pick. They were womanizer. They were this, they were that. And in fact, I researched a bit more. And one of the reasons why, you know, I'm fond of those music and I like those. But one of the reasons why I use the Red is because when I read a bit more about the story, like they were a lot making fun of themselves and of, of who they were. One guy was Jewish. One was Italian. One was changing his religion. But they were always trying to, Frank Sinatra was one of the first person who put his feet down to basically have African-American people performing and sleeping in the same venue in the States. They, They were promoting a few good things. And mainly they were making fun of themselves rather than make fun of the audience, which is something that I usually apply in my bar. I think if behind the bar we have fun with each other and joke with each other, people by looking at you having fun, they actually have fun themselves. To go back to your question, the first cocktail list was based on all the casino of Las Vegas, of the Strip of the 1960s. And then we changed it and we made an homage. The the second menu was a riff on that. And then we changed completely the team and we pay an homage to all the women in the history of the world that had an impact in show business. And then this year we went more deep. We went to this creative idea of using uh, this Mirage Moment, a moment in your life rather than someone or a person.
1: It's really interesting. How often do you do that like once a year or more or less
0: usually a year or after a good run if i have a good run uh, or i think your your best idea come under stress so when you stress your brain so you either go for a in a good way no either go for a run or you do a big activity and then your brain start to think or you get drunk with your friend and your brain starts to think. And when I'm with my team, with Paolo, Sara, my coworker Hunter, you know, we talk a lot. And when we have a good idea, we kind of nurture it. And then we say, okay, let's wait for maybe January and let's work on this. But usually yearly. Yeah, I would say yearly.
1: That's really cool. Well, funny enough, while you did go off on that tangent and saying how you don't take yourself too seriously and you're having fun, it's actually a perfect segue because I know earlier, you know, you talked a little bit about Italian hospitality, but I've also read about your, and I'm using air quotes, listener, quirky hospitality. So can you share with us what is quirky hospitality?
0: I don't know. I think I've introduced to the bar word these bubbles. I don't know if that's what you're referring to. When I was in Vernazza in the summer, there is a famous holiday, which is August, where all the Italians come to holiday in Italy. Usually some rich people from Milan or from Genova, the biggest city, okay? There was this very rich lady She's a love, a glass of wine. She was a martini drinker. But every day before in the golden hour, when the sunset is happening, she would go up to her room, which was right on the square where all the bars and restaurants are, and she would press play on this bubble machine from the first floor of her window. Then she would go down in the square, order a martini, order a glass of wine, sit in the square and watch the world go by. Now, when these ba- bubbles of soap bubble come to the square, you can imagine all the tourists, the kids running around, she was loving it, no? And I always have that memory, no? So one night, I'm maybe semi, and it's well, like the first few weeks when we open. And behind the bar, I have all these amazing bartenders from the Artisan Bar, from the Savoy. They just moved to Australia, and they know what to do. They hold the bottle properly. They have the moves, and they get a lot of attention, no? And here I am, the owner, the guy opened the place. That's a lot of my ideas in there, a lot of my intel. And I was like, yeah, I want attention too. What got I do, no? So I was shopping with my little girl uh, my first daughter, I was in a toy shop and I found a bubble machine and I brought it to the bar. So when the night the bar was full of people, I took this bubble machine and I went behind the bar and I started to spray the bubbles, no? To the surprise of everyone. Everyone was so happy, they loved the bubble. And and that's the story I like to say. I was like I brought the bubble because it was my way to be noticed. Because as a bartender, you're kind of a fail person who would like to be in movies or TV and I couldn't. So I wanted my attention share and the bubble became a part of maybe Sammy. And then when we started to do the pop-up around the world, I would always bring a bubble gun because my skill behind the bar were not that good. You know, I couldn't do throwing or steering properly. And the bubble was like my signature and it became the signature of maybe Sammy. So I think that's what people refer to quirky hospitality in a way was just to to add a bit of fun and games behind the bar. Uh, After that, we started to buy a lot of toys because we realized that a lot of the bartender were shy sometimes to talk to customer and sometimes the customer don't want to talk to you know so we went to this store we bought a couple of like wooden flamingos and parrots and like elegant things no but when somebody would arrive at the bar we just maybe sit in front of them like a flamingo and a pirate or a, b- a tropical bird in form of a statue and the customer would say what it is I saw oh, this is just Nando he's a parrot he's lost you can talk to him if you don't want to talk to me no <laughs> But was a way to spark the conversation and to make the customer feel at ease and the bartender feel at ease. And I guess this is quirkiness in the bar, but it's also a smart way to connect two people together at the bar because the other guy sees this guy with a toy and he now starts to say, oh, what is that? Ah, oh, the bartender just gave it to me. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Paris. Oh, I'm from London. What are you doing? So when a bartender is sitting behind, the, is, is standing in the bar and two customers talk to each other, that's job done. Because you can still focus on making drinks because you are busy while the, the guests will take care of each other and hopefully they will remember the night or they become friends or they go for dinner together. I don't know. or Maybe they don't, but that's a good, uh, that was a good, for me, yeah, that was a good organism to create. And I use toy and quirkiness to, to make that happen.
1: That's so cool. That's so interesting. You're almost like knocking down this like barrier to the guest in a way, like putting them at a little more ease. I feel like you have to be pretty good at like reading your customer in a way.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I think I, I'm not, I, they, they all are like, uh, I would say, do you teach your staff to do this? Do they dance behind the bar? Because you make them to? So I don't tell nobody what to do. I think it's an organism. It's their instinct. They following their instinct. They are my job as the owner or the boss is to make people feel at ease and give them the tools to perform. I've been, a, I've been a bartender. I've been working for someone and all I wanted is the tools to be able to do my job properly. So if you give the, your staff all these tools, the, their main job is to make people feel good. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I always like to say that you're only as good as the last guest you serve at your own bar. So it can be good every night. But there is some, some night I walk out of there and I go like, you know what? Tonight, this was the best bar in Australasia. Or Some night he goes like, guys, tonight... We suck. <laughs> the pub down the road did much better than us. But that's what I believe, you know. Uh, you know, it would be stupid to say, oh yeah, we are the best. No, we're not the best. We're only as good as is how we perform on that night or that week
1: or, you know. It's, it's amazing. All right, let's have a little little more fun with the speed round. First thing that comes to mind. Number one, name the cocktail that inspired you to get behind the bar.
0: The Pornstar Martini.
1: What pisses you off behind the bar? Laziness. What makes you happy behind the bar? Happiness. Last one. The one gin-based cocktail everyone needs to try. Martini. All right, Stefano, you, What well, you just said this. It's funny because I had, I came across it too. I had it written down from you. You're only as good as the last guest who leaves your bar. You've also said everything you do is based on the guest's experience. When was the last time that you experienced great hospitality outside of one of your bars?
0: Okay. One time, like the time, a few times I experienced great hospitality. I always, Alora, a katana kitten. The first time I went, I actually, cr- with Maza, I cried because everybody told me about Maza and how good he was. And he's like, they say, you know what, you're good, but Maza's good. I say, okay, let's check this Maza out. So I went there and I cried. I think he it did, it did, it did extra for me, but I did cried. You I really, Chiso I was, no. Yeah, like this amount of hospitality. I learned a lot from Maza because he was a quirky hospitality too. Like he likes to, to make games and jokes. And I always one of I was like, I come to you, I do it once and I leave and you won't see me for the rest of the night. And Maza was constantly there, boom, and the cake and throwing the bottle and the fire and dressed like a panda and I don't know what, and the balloon and give you vitamin before you leave the bar and bring you water. So that sort of, but he wasn't forced because he does it in a, such a natural way because he wants to. So that was definitely... Uh, one of my favorite hospitality experience when I go, I always say in Greece as well. From when I go to the guys from the and line, I think they have something special there. I always learn a lot there. Again, it's not aggressive. You can tell that they do hospitality because they love to take care of people. They make you feel at ease. They make you feel comfortable. They do in their own way, and that's special. And so that's my 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 another very good experience, but. Also, it depends where you are. I think when you go to the Connaught, I haven't been there in a while. Unfortunately, I haven't been in London for the last three years. When you went to the Connaught and you have a martini from Agostino or Giorgio and it's pure class and you feel like you're in this room, that's pure hospitality. But you don't expect anything less. So you always expect excellence from this type of people. The other thing we have to say is that people know I am. So sometimes maybe they treat me differently. So I cannot say that this experience would be for everybody. But definitely for me, for me, these three three places in the world, New York, London and Greece, Athens, was some of the plays that me the most to be even better at what I do. Or, you know, if I do anything good, I think these people do better than me, basically.
1: I got to give a shameless plug for the podcast listener. Masa was on this podcast a couple seasons ago, so that was a fun episode. You should check that out. He was talking about how he makes his martini at home with a little pinch of salt and he shakes it in a plastic Tupperware container. And then Ago and Giorgio were on the podcast a couple weeks ago. So if you scroll back, you'll see those two guys fun to talk to good good then. yeah so what so when it comes to service uh, and hospitality are there one or two things that are like a must for you like things that are always implemented in all of your spots like non-negotiable
0: yeah like probably like uh, like many bar operator I have, a, I have a i have a brain problem with lighting and uh, music and temperature Probably those are three things like drive me insane. And I have a huge disorder on how people cut fruits as a garnish. Big disorder. My business partner, uh, Vince, uh, his mom, uh, she's from Calabria. So they've been in It's his second generation. And one day we did a Spritz event. And to do me a favor, because it was early in the morning, I think she cut a bucket of orange for me for garnishes. A bucket, like maybe more than a bucket. I don't know in America, like a lot and just for the to garnish the spritz no and i arrived to the site and it was just a pop-up in a park but we were just starting the maybe company and i had a, and i didn't tell her but i threw them all away and i recut them all by hand myself because i say i can't have our spritz or our cocktail going out with shit garnish so that's my pet peeve i have a disorder for that but i i try I don't see. I, I go around my bar. The first thing I check always check the glasses. But you know, now we're expanding, so it's harder to keep it up. But you know, it's
1: one of them. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, Stefan, I want to talk uh, for a couple of minutes about social impact and giving back. Our listeners uh, beyond the plate and beyond the drink know the podcast celebrates the work that chefs and restaurant tourism and, and bartenders do to give back to their communities, and sometimes it's with a specific organization or sometimes it's with a cause. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's through the the bar or restaurant. So I definitely want to give you a moment to shed some light on a cause or organization. But I also need to make light of the fact that for everyone listening, each year, the Bartender Magazine Australian Bar Awards, an individual is recognized with the award for outstanding contribution. And it pays tribute to someone who's made a difference in the bar industry through their passion and dedication and who, who has a positive effect on the industry. And Stefano won this award in 2023. So cheers to you. I do. I am curious what your thoughts are on. Like what they mean to you, awards and accolades, actually, before we get into that social impact. I'm curious.
0: Yeah, look, at the beginning, they used to make me upset because I didn't win then. <laughs> I, will, I always wanted to, like, you prove a point. Like if, if you're working so hard in this industry and you achieve something, like, I don't know, I remember we won best uh, restaurant bar of the year or the first time I was nominated in a top 10 at Tales. They mean a lot to me. It, it's like a starting point. I see. look, I've worked so hard. I got there. But it's not, I'm finished now, I'm oh, audits enough. They were always like, okay, we are there. I can now attract better people working for me. And with these better people on board, I can go to the next project and do something better. So that's what they meant to me. I was. Not, I don't live for them. I don't call people to give me votes. I don't, I've never done stuff like that. But I'm happy to receive them. And I think they, they helped my business. When we, were, when we won the 50 Best Bar, my business went from making... Two to make four. So I never say, oh yeah, no awards are bad. But they can be bad if you don't leave them with joy and if you don't grow from them. You need to, you win an award. I want, you just mentioned we won four years in a row. But every year we are a better version of ourselves. And I thought the first year we were pretty good. And now I'm not even in maybe semi and they're getting better view and the food is better and the staff is better and the team is better. And I've always let the new team come up. I've never said, oh no, this is mine. This is me. I never wanted to shine by myself. I've always, we got international travel. I always send everyone around the world. I was never the center focus of attention. I didn't want to be. And um, it's important. It's important because, I mean, you're no one without your team. No one. I'm not a a single man sport. Even in single sport now. Look at the tennis player. They win this tennis at Wimbledon and they say, oh, thanks to my team. I mean, the team wasn't playing. You were playing, buddy. But, you know, this is... This is what I believe in as well. Like you you need a team and you need to ally them. And if they win awards, you get a better team, but also they need to, I think I've explained
1: enough. Okay. Is there an organization or cause you'd like to highlight?
0: Yes. Yes. So recently, basically we merged our company with a public group, which is another emerging company in Australia. And they have a charity that is called Do Good. We just had our first event last week. I was actually pulling up the website where basically... We have uh, volunteer brands uh, and we have a charity last week. Uh, all the people with the kids like, uh, you know, myself, they went all cooking in this kitchen and give it back to the family who are in need. And next week, there is another event helping uh, women that had problems in their household. And the foundation is called Do Good Megan which is a partner of John, the owner of public group, started it. She really wanted to give back to the community because she says, yes, we have bars, which are really affecting communities because this is where people go and talk and their problem, they get drunk, they get happy, they get sad. But we also need to help the community for real. So this is something that is just starting. And then I'm, I'm proud of to start to be part of it more and more. And yeah, that's one of them. Plus, there is a lot of uh, pri- private calls that sometimes get my attention, and uh, I personally do it a bit here and there, but that's, you know, nothing I have to share. As you know, you're a father, when there is something affecting kids this day, I get very touched. So, if I can put $10 there, $50 a year, I I always try. It's important.
1: That's great. Thanks for sharing all that. Okay, so you're the second Italian bartender in a row that is not in Italy. As I mentioned, we recently had Ago and Giorgio from the Connaught in London. You're in Australia. Um, our first bartender in Australia. So as we said earlier, it's our tomorrow and you are yesterday. Question, who makes a better martini, you or Ago? No, I'm just kidding. Ago. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ago, easy. <laughs> I, make a be- I make a better joke. You can ask him. <laughs>
1: It's funny. All right, Stefano, after a long day at work, you get home. What drink are you making for yourself?
0: Uh, I have to be very honest. I don't drink when I'm home because I have so many bars. And I, I, I don't have an, I don't need another excuse to make a drink myself at home.
1: Sure. So
0: yeah. it's, that's what I have to say. When I'm at home, I don't drink. I can show you my house. You might see some wine. I only cook. See, this is my visibility with uh, my problem with guests. If you come in here, I will make you an agroni from one of our bottle cocktails that we have. You know, we have a little bottle cocktail line. So I always have my Negronis, Jasmine Negroni. But if I'm by myself, I, I don't drink. I don't need another excuse to drink, unfortunately.
1: Jasmine Negroni sounds delicious. Do you cook a lot at home?
0: Yeah. My wife cooks more than me, but I cook. I love to, if I have guests, I love to cook. My dad was a chef, so I like to cook my little Italian stuff. But yeah, we love to cook.
1: Awesome. I love it. Stefano, thanks for your time. And thank your little two-year-old for hanging tight, watching some good cartoons. I really enjoyed speaking with you. I love everything you said, and I'm very grateful for the whole bartending industry. Most of these conversations are, you know, US-based bartenders. We have expand a little more internationally, but this community, while so large around the world, is just so tight. And I really appreciate that. It's pretty awesome to see.
0: Thank you very much having me on these, and I really had a lot of fun. I could talk for the next two hours as you
1: probably understood. Uh, <laughs> Same. <laughs> Thanks,
0: buddy. Have a good night,
1: America. To get the recipe from this episode, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplaypodcast.com. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yetten, and Sean Petrosian. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Plate or go to beyondtheplaypodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on all the socials at Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Copy.